this morning. You know, as we read through those names of those individuals and we saw their faces on the screen, I couldn't help but think of one word, and we prayed that word, the faithfulness of these people and how God had used them and what they did. And we saw that in their lives, really from the outside. We were able to witness that. Uh, for instance, Ruth Ashmore, that very first name that we read, I went through the notes of the funeral service, and um, I found where for 45 years, 45 years, Ruth Ashmore was leading the group of people who would minister to those who were hurting by supplying meals, taking care of the physical needs of those family members who had passed away. But we know, we know that she was not only caring for physical needs, but for spiritual needs as well. It was a beautiful ministry that she had. 45 years. Can you believe that? I'm 47 years old. That's unbelievable. In another field of ministry, Ron Phelps, looked at my notes as well for him. Do you realize that, that Ron Phelps taught sixth graders, you ready for this, for 36 years in a row? Now, that's a totally different field, isn't it? 36 years in a row teaching, teaching sixth graders. I don't know what Ron's doing right now, but the, the crown on his head must be awfully, awfully full. Sixth graders for 36 years, amazing. Amazing. Cliff Barrows, almost 70 years of ministry. When I was sitting there at that church in Charlotte, just in amazement of all that he, in partnership with Billy Graham, accomplished. But then here's something else that we don't often see in people like this, but in people that we'll see in our text today. And it is this. If we were to open them up, we would find this incredible pursuit of God. We would find inside of them a heart that is not only faithful to God as we see on the outside, but on the inside a continual waiting and looking and pursuing of God for him to continue to do something New. I think that's what we would find. Turn, if you have your scriptures, to Luke chapter 2 this morning. We've been walking through the gospel of Luke over the last few weeks together. Luke chapter 2, if you don't have a copy of the Word of God, there's one in the pew rack right in front of you. You'll need that. We'll provide the scriptures on the screen as well. So turn to Luke 2 or turn on Luke 2, whatever uh, you have there in front of you. And here's what we're going to find, is that we have these faithful, faithful servants in Luke chapter 2 who on the outside we see their faithfulness, but on the inside they're waiting for God to do something new. And they're pursuing God. And they're passionately looking for him to do something brand new. When we mention the word new, we think of January 2017. Some of you are looking for God to do something new, are you not, in 2017? You put 2016 behind you, and I don't know whether it's in a relationship, I don't know if it's in a job or career. Some of you, you you've changed fields in your, in your jobs, and, or I, I don't know if it's in your parenting or, or with your children, your grandchildren. I don't know where you sense uh, a dissatisfaction, but you're waiting and you're longing for God to do something new in 2017. I love this time of year because it points to, to what is just a natural desire of our hearts, that we long for redemption, we long for renewal. It's just natural. 
This past week, I was in Lifeway Christian Bookstore. It's a Christian religious bookstore if you're not familiar with it. I was amazed, folks. I was amazed at the numbers of, of books on the shelves where it said, where the theme was something to the tune of starting over or overcoming failure or beginning again. It's just human nature. This is what we long for. This is what we need in our lives to, to be. We, we want to be faithful to God. We want to continue for years and years and years. These people have served the body of Christ. We'll see how Simeon and Anna serve God faithfully, but we long for something new. We see this in our, our culture as well, both faithful on one hand, but searching for the new on the other hand in our culture. Last night, our family made it to 12 o'clock. Did your family make it to, to midnight last night? And so we enjoyed uh, New Year's Eve in front of the television set along with, with millions of other people. And, and so the, the ball comes down in New York City and we all cheer and we kiss and Happy New Year and all that stuff. And we start to go to bed and I hear my daughter in the other room. She stayed up a little bit longer. And she was listening to some of the artists that were, that were, that were singing. And I hear this, who in the world is that? He is awful. And I said, well, who is it? And, and we look on our screen because we had fallen asleep, but it was Lionel Richie. <laughs> and, and I'm like, are you kidding me? He's one of the all-time greats. Are you kidding me? You know, you know, both faithful and new. I don't know if you saw Mariah Carey, bless her heart, last night. Wow. If, if you didn't, you'll, you'll catch up. But both faithful, <laughs> faithful, we want to be faithful to the old, but there's something that we want to push out into the new, Right? And this is what we wanted to see God do in us as well. So in Luke chapter 2, watch this. Read along with me, beginning in verse 20, beginning in verse 25. Let me set the, the stage here biblically so we understand what, what the Holy Spirit is teaching us here. Jesus is brought to the temple by Joseph and Mary. He is almost six weeks old. And so the law said that Mary, because she needed to be, to be clean, ceremonially clean, because she had given birth, uh, they would circumcise those baby boys at eight days, and then they would wait till 40 days, and they would come to the temple, and they would bring with them a sacrifice, and they would present it to, uh, to, to the priest, and God would see the sacrifice. Not only that, not only for Mary, but for Jesus. He was the first boy in the family, and so the law said you come and you present him to the Lord, kind of like we do for parent-child dedication, where we present these babies to to the Lord. And so Joseph and Mary, they, they take baby Jesus. Again, he's only six weeks old, and they wrap him in that, uh, in, that blue, in that baby blue and pink and white blanket that have been around in hospitals since the Garden of Eden, right? They wrap him, they wrap him up in that. Uh, just kidding. That's not in the text, but just inferred there, right? So they wrap him up, and they bring him to the temple. They come walking into the temple. And I mean, there could be any number. It could be parent-child dedication day at the temple. I don't know. This temple complex is really big. I mean, it's just not like walking into the welcome center. We're here. We're, we're a young couple. Right? I mean, there's just people everywhere. And then watch what happens. Watch what happens next. Read with me, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. 
and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. If I were in my personal study in this, I would put a box around righteous and devout, and then I would put an arrow to waiting. He is righteous and devout, but then he's waiting for the comfort, for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant, depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He is a light for, revel for revelation to the Gentiles. And he is for glory to your people, Israel. Skip down to verse 36, but keep reading with me. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him to all who were, what? Waiting for the redemption of Israel. In my study, I would box worshiping fasting and praying, but an arrow to waiting. Here are these two individuals. Anna is 84 years old, advanced in years. Simeon, we, we believe he's older. The commentators think he's old because of the, this blessing that he made, but they are righteous and devout, it says about Simeon. She, she's a prophetess. She, she actually receives messages from God, and she communicates those messages. And she's in the temple every day. She's worshiping. Some believe that she could have lived in some of the housing complexes right there next to the temple or even in the complex itself. And she would come down every single day, and she would worship, and she would pray, and she would fast, faithful, just like those people that we read today, just faithful on the outside, but on the inside, waiting, pursuing, God, for something new. And what is that something new? That's something new for Simeon, the, the consolation of Israel. Love that word, consolation. The, the comfort of Israel, the deliverance of Israel. He's waiting for the people of Israel to receive that deliverance that had been promised for hundreds and hundreds of years that they would be free from physical oppression from spiritual oppression, from their sins. Oh, please, God, sin. We're waiting for the deliverer. We're waiting to be comforted. When will he come? But I pursue you. Anna, for years and years, year after year, year after year, she is righteous, devout, worshiping, praying, fasting, but on the inside, waiting 
for the redemption. I love that word, redemption, too. The redemption of Jerusalem. Jerusalem has fallen. It's going to take someone to come and pay a price and purchase it back. God, will you bring about the redemption of your people and of, of Israel? See the theme here? Faithful, but longing for something new. How about us in 2017? I pray that that is our heart as well. And I know uh, some of you come in and, and you're, you're looking for God to do something new in some area of your life. I don't know what that is. We have an opportunity to begin again, and I love that. But let me give you just a couple of things that will keep us on track this year. keeps me on track as I've been studying this over the last couple of days. If you have a pen or pencil, you might want to write these down. Look at them again. Some thoughts from our text this morning. Number one, number one, pursue the satisfaction of knowing Christ deeply and sharing Christ widely above everything else. We'll leave it up there so you can write it down. Pursue the satisfaction of knowing Christ deeply and sharing Christ widely above everything else. In parentheses, I would say this. Otherwise, what you pursue will not satisfy you. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Losing a few pounds, not a, not a bad thing. Uh, having a better relationship with your wife, great thing. Being a better parent, wonderful. All those things are good. All those things are good. Moving up the ladder, my career, pursuing that, God gives me opportunities, not a bad thing. But if there is not a sense where we are satisfied in growing deeper in Christ and being grown up in him, being shaped by him to look like him and sharing him. Look at Simeon and Anna. What did they do when they laid eyes on Christ? When Simeon sees him, he understands that this is the one who will satisfy everything. Now I can depart in peace. Now I can die because I have seen Christ. Wait a second, Simeon. He hasn't delivered you yet. <laughs> He's only six weeks old. He's a little baby. doesn't matter. I'm satisfied in this person. Is that your heart? Are you satisfied in him? If not, if not, whatever you pursue, whatever you pursue, it won't satisfy you. I mean, the children of Israel, for hundreds and hundreds of years, they're waiting for a deliverer. They're waiting for someone to come. And here's the expectation. When this Messiah comes, he will, according to the tradition, according to the scriptures, the prophecies, according to all these things, this new Messiah will come and he will overthrow the powers that be. He will overthrow militarily whoever's in charge. That meant Rome. He will bring about economic revival. There is a sense of destiny that when this Messiah anointed one comes, the nation of Israel will be great again. I couldn't help, but when I read that commentary, make the nation great again, I couldn't help but laugh at that, right? Expectations. Now listen, listen. The expectations that Messiah would come, but when he did come, it looked totally different than they thought. And this is why, this is why you've got to put your satisfaction in Christ alone. Not in what you expect to achieve with something different in 2017. At the heart of it, above it all, has to be this sense that I long to know Christ deeply and to share him widely in everything that he has given me to accomplish in 2017. But what does this Christ look like? Well, read with me. Turn to um, verse 33. 
Look at it really quickly here. When Simeon gives this prophecy, he's a light to the Gentiles. He is the glory of Israel. It says in verse 33 that his father and his mother, Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about him. Can you imagine these parents? This is the one that's going to do that? Now, they fully understood that the angel had spoken and the angel had made it very, very clear he's going to save his people from their sins, but they're not. Look, they're just trying to get their arms around getting Jesus to sleep at night, let alone this is the one that's going to do all that. <laughs> they marvel. But then listen to what Simeon says. He blessed them and he said to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. All right, so what does it mean to know Christ deeply? Understand this. Here's what Simeon says. Here's what the Word of God says about Jesus. And for those of you who aren't followers of Jesus, who, who never really have fully trusted in him, listen, listen, here's what it says. That when Jesus comes, that he will cause some to fall away in judgment. There are some that when he comes and his work is finished, he's going to cause some to fall away. And then he's going to cause some to rise. But the work that he does is going to be costly to him, and he will be rejected. Tells Mary this. Mary, he will be rejected, and there will be a cost to him. And because of him, everyone's thoughts on the inside will be judged by him as the standard. Let me try and speak plainly to you here. When Jesus comes... The work of the cross is ahead of him. And Simeon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is pointing to that cross saying, this one will come and he will be rejected. And it will be painful. It will be costly to him. And for you to follow him, it will be costly as well. And some of you will follow him and some of you will reject him. What about you? It's going to cost something to follow Jesus, Simeon says. Are you willing to pay that cost? Now, here's the thing. Jesus is fully your satisfaction. He is your rescue. But he's not just your rescue for you to accomplish something new in 2017. He's just not a rescue for you in your relationship. He's just not a rescue for you in your career. He's a rescuer for you from your sin. Have you trusted him? And one day, we will all see him, and our inward hearts will be opened up before him. And the Father will look at us, and he will say, what do you think of my son? To those who reject him, there will be a falling away to a place called hell forever. For those who receive him, for those who trust in him, there will be a resurrection to brand new life. Here we see the gospel in Luke chapter 2 from this man who says he is everything. He's your salvation. And he's our satisfaction. So this morning, as you move into 2017, I pray that your satisfaction is in this person, not only for the rescue of your sins, but for the continual relationship to God that we desire, that we long for. Ultimately, ultimately, life is 
Christ and Christ alone. Second, pursue communion with God that is both consistent and expectant. Pursue communion with God that is both consistent and expectant. In 2017, pursue satisfaction in Christ alone. But then secondly, pursue communion with God that is both consistent and expectant. Now here is where pastors, we could insert it. We could go back to our notes from January 1 of every year. Hey, pray more. <laughs> Read the Bible more, right? Here, here, here's where we, we insert these things, things that we all know, right? We're all kind of used to. But here's the reality that we cannot find satisfaction in Christ alone, knowing him deeply, sharing him widely with other people. We cannot have the experience of saying, whatever I go through in 2017, I want to know Christ. I want to be like Christ. If that happens to me in 2017 like it did in 2016, that's okay because I want to be like Christ, right? But we can't get there, point number one, unless we are in constant communion with God. We can't get there because here's why. Here's what communion with God does. It keeps our heart soft, and it keeps our hearts able to be shaped, and it keeps our hearts open, listening for God to speak so that we can move or not move, whatever it might be. And if you're not in communion with God, if there isn't a sense of, of, of in, of engaging with the word of God, engaging with the body of Christ, praying. There's not this sense of communion with God. I, I can tell you what's going to happen. Your heart is going to be isolated. Your heart is going to be separated. Your heart is going to become hardened because there's no communion with God. There's no openness. So if you want the status quo in 2016, I'd simply suggest don't commune with God. There's no movement. There's no steps forward. Communion with God. Where will you find that this year? Someone tweeted out this past year. It's a great question. What will be different in 2017, spiritually, than 2016? For you, great question for lunch. What's going to be different? For me, when I read that, the first thing that came to my mind was a discipleship group. There's uh, approximately 15 discipleship groups that are going to be launched beginning next week. Mine's going to begin next week. Four guys I've never been with before. We're going to sit down and we're going to read the Word of God. We're going to read it weekly together. We're going to do an overview of the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to do an overview where every single day, Lord willing, I'm engaging with the Word of God. I'm coming to meet with those guys and I'm growing with them and they're growing with me and we're praying and we're seeing God work among us and that is how this pastor's heart remains soft and shaped, engaged with my people, with the body, engaged with him, because it's communion with God and with others that is consistent, and I'm expectant for God to move simply because he is worthy of our attention and devotion. What about you in 2017? If you want the status quo, just keep doing what you're doing. But if you long to see God do something move, what are you waiting for? Waiting for God to do something and commune with him. Listen to him. Walk with him. Go on this journey with the creator who loves you dearly. Thirdly, and we got to hurry, pursue contentment in God's plan as the goal for this year, not immediate answers or easy substitutes. 
You know, when I look at Simeon and Anna, there's any number of ways that they could have turned to God's plan and say, yep, that's it. Not this little boy over here. Any number of ways where they could have said, this is how God will redeem Israel. This is how he'll deliver Israel. In fact, if you look at the history of the Jewish people, there were many people who would raise their hands and go, we're the Messiah, we're the anointed ones. And they would take off and they would try and start a revolution and Rome would just go, boom, you're done, next. <laughs> and so there was these immediate answers or these easy substitutes. People would say, we're it. They could have looked any number of different ways for the answer. But for years and years, Simeon and Anna were content. God's plan. I'm going to pursue, God, I'm going to wait until you reveal to me the answer. I'm going to wait until you reveal to me what it is that you have for Israel, what it looks like. I don't know. I'm, I'm still praying for it. I'm still looking for it, but no easy substitutes. I'm not going to take the easy way out. If I, want to, if I want to know this Christ, this Messiah anointed one, if I, want, if I want to know him, I commune with God so I know his answer, but then I have to wait. I have to be content. Understand this, that God is not interested. Rather, God's timing and calendar, let me say it this way, God's timing and calendar isn't your first priority. Did you realize that? God's calendar and timing for the answers in your life, that's not his first priority. doesn't mean God is, is angry or mad at you or, or whatever it is. Instead, though, God's after this in your heart. Dependency upon Christ. Becoming like his son. Trusting him. That's at the top of his agenda. So church... Guard against being derailed. Guard against being hijacked by anything that would replace Christ and, his, and you being made in his image and his plan for you. Guard against immediate answers or easy substitutes that would replace for God's plan. Keep God, constant guard over your heart from quitting so if you've been waiting a long time for God to move, guard against quitting. God is faithful. For some of you, guard your heart against pouting. Oh, God, God ain't answered yet. Must not love me. God ain't moved yet. How long am I going to wait? Guard your heart against quitting, against pouting. And recognize this, God does indeed care, but he cares more about you becoming like his son above anything else. That is why we pursue knowing Christ above anything else. We're in sync with God. All right, last thing. Pursue faith over fear. Put all these things together. Pursue faith over fear. I love what Simeon does here. It's a simple thing. Love what Anna does here. I see this, this couple carrying around this baby. Joseph has got, I guess he's got a cage for the, for the pigeons. I don't know how she would carry pigeons or turtle doves, right? Here they come in. Any number of couples lining up for the sacrifices. And Simeon has been in such communion with God. Three times it says the Holy Spirit is upon him. And when he sees that couple, what does he do? It's Jesus. 
give me the baby. Can you imagine Mary? What would you mamas do, right? Give me the baby. And he holds him up. This is him. And my question is, Simeon, hold it, hold it, hold it. This is what I would do. <laughs> He's six weeks old. <laughs> let him get to his bar mitzvah. Let, 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 him, let him get to seminary. and Let's see how he works. Let him have his internship. <laughs> let's see how he does in, in, in a church somewhere. Before we anoint him, can we hang on just one second? But no. Faith. When God when you're in communion, see how this fits together. When you, when you want to know Christ, you're looking for Christ, and you're in communion with God, and then you're content and waiting. When God speaks, faith ignites, and you move. That's him, Anna, 84 years old. I don't know if she heard Simeon. I don't know if she saw that. But she's, she moves over. That's him. That's the Christ. And she immediately begins speaking the redemption is here. The redemption of God is here. There's faith over any fear. There's faith over any uncertainty. Here's what, here's what fear does. Here's what fear will do to you in 2017. It'll do two things. Either, depending upon what you're like, either it will paralyze you and you'll cower in fear. And you're not trusting in the power of God because he's spoken. And, and he, you've been in communion with him. And you want to be like Christ. And he moves, but you're afraid. And you won't move. Or, on the other side, you'll jump. God, God says, don't move. God, God says, I'm still working. And out of fear that his timing is not right, or out of fear that he's forgotten you, you'll jump. And you'll move. And Simeon and Nana, wow, just this faithful, patient pursuit of God. But when he speaks, faith takes over. This year, this year, pursue faith over fear. Take faith and put it over everything that comes your way. Faith. I'm going to choose faith over fear. And it takes all of these other things, knowing Christ, communion with God, contentment in him, but then with great confidence in 2017, say, I'm choosing faith. I'm choosing faith, and I'm going to watch God move. And if he waits, I wait. But when he moves, I move. May God use the word of God this morning. May God use the spirit of God in your life to make 2017 a remarkable movement of God in you. Will you pray with me right now? Father, thank you for the word. Oh, I love the word. And these people that we not only recognize today, but in your word we see faithfulness and we see such great contentment. We see such great passion. But then we also see such great contentment, waiting. And then the initiative to spring when God moves. Father, whatever the body of Christ here at Taylor's this morning, this is your body, these are your sheep. Shepherd them through your word and through your spirit this morning, but then move in them so that, Father, there's a movement of God here. Not for us. Not so that tailors can be great. But so that the kingdom can advance. And Christ, Christ is worshipped and Christ saves and Christ shapes this body in a new and fresh way. 
hear our prayer this morning because we pray in Jesus' name.